Hey everyone, this is Sarah Jenner here with Noble Leaders Having Noble Conversations. Today we're going to be talking to Michael Apollo, president and founder of Mindful Gateway and Mindful Society. Michael, thanks for joining us today in this conversation about noble leaders. I just want to jump right into it and ask you, what does being a noble leader mean to you? Well, first off, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a pleasure to be here. Happy to, to spend this time with you and the listeners. Uh, for me, being a noble leader is a leader that uh, leads with intention, mm -hmm. focus, and, and kindness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really feel that those elements, and I know um, we had a chance actually to connect and to chat about this earlier on in terms of how I sustain myself. Mm -hmm. Um, bringing those elements together in a continuous type of practice can help not only any leader self-sustain themselves, but also to lead in a sustainable way and a very engaging way. Because uh, when those things are brought together, um, a lot of people tend to gravitate mm -hmm. towards you know, leaders that embody those types of uh, qualities. It creates a safe environment for people, I think, that we want to come to work and we want to know that we can trust our leader and that, like you said, they have this intention of kindness and curiosity was another word that you had used previously. Um, because I think for so long, the idea was when you go into work, it's you have something to get done and if you don't make these many things in a day, then we're gonna have a conversation about it and whatever's happening at home has to stay at the door. Um, but I think now we've come to a space where we realized how um, how integrated work and life are together and that it's practically impossible to leave one in one space and one in the other. Yeah, well, and, and we have the ad additional layer of uh, distraction mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's produced by the digital world. Yeah. And, uh, and also the uh, interconnection of industries and society and the rate of growth and expansion and change. So sometimes it's, it's known, there's a term called VUCA, sort of this, uh, it's a military term that's utilized in corporate workspaces now okay. that depicts high stress environments. And so uh, V is, it's high stress environments are volatile. Mm -hmm. Uh, U is it's things are uncertain. We don't know how things are going to pan out, and we often don't know the right answer. That's why we have to work in teams. Yeah. Uh, C is a level of complexity. So really, the idea that we that we think is the best one, mm, well, may we not be, yeah. may not be. <laughs> we need to question that. And there's a level of ambiguity as well. Um, and so this was used in the military, but now it's in our current workplace setting. So. Uh, that brings up a lot of fear in people. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that fear shows up in a number of different ways. It, it really challenges our neurophysiology. Mm -hmm. It challenges the stress response, the fight, flight, freeze, faint response of the body. And uh, if we're experiencing that as a leader, that is experienced tenfold or more within those that we are leading. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I look at leadership as, as, you know, anybody can be a leader. Leadership is, is really the degree of the sphere of influence that we have, the degree of influence that we have. Certain people have more, certain people perhaps have a bit less. Mm -hmm. But uh, the more that we can lead with intention, 
and continually return to what is my intention this moment? What is our intention as a team in this meeting, this month, this quarter, this year, three years down the road, five years down the road? Um, where's our focus? Where's my focus in this moment? Am I actually listening to this podcast? Yeah. Am I focusing on something else in this meeting than I should be? My phone? The emails that are coming in seemingly looking interested? Yeah. People feel that. They sense that. And so the more that we could return to deep intentionality and focus, um, the more others feel that. Not only do we feel a little bit more in a sense of... I, I don't usually like to say it, but in a sense of control and mm -hmm. a sense of ease in the midst of a VUCA world. But uh, it's, it's actually um, contagious mm -hmm. too. So if we can embody that, then others actually feel it and they uh, sense it and then they actually start practicing that too. Yeah, they take it on. When you said the term VUCA and then you were explaining um, the acronym, I immediately just pictured in my mind Wall Street, um, just kind of like the chaos, you know, high intensity. And so my question is, what would you say to a leader who is maybe in one of they find themselves in that kind of environment, um, but they know that they want to to give more to their team than only have them working in an environment like that? What are some practical things that they can do in order to um, not only set intentions, but bring to their team that idea of ease, of control. And earlier we were talking about kindness and honesty. How do you bring that to your team? Yeah. Well, um, something that we found in our conference, so the Mindful Society conference that we host uh, annually here at, in Toronto, um, we found uh, in our research of mindful leaders, that a change within organizations comes from within. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of those key elements is as a leader, that change has to come first from ourselves. Yeah. No matter how much we try to bring it upon others, and we're just too busy to think about things yeah. in that way, but you know, other people can take care of that. Mm -hmm. is, is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fallacy. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. So the first thing is uh, practice what we preach mm -hmm. and uh, start experimenting with practices and methods of managing ourselves and our days and our teams uh, on a regular basis. Yeah. And so this is where mindfulness really comes in hand because it gives us some pragmatic tips uh, and, and um, pragmatic tools to really bring this in an effective way into the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, uh, you know, this could be a simply taking a moment to, to literally arrive at work in the morning. You know, having a seat, having your, taking your seat with intention. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Do we just rush in and just land on our chair to sort of maybe slide across the, the conference room table and then regain our composure and try to get back to where we are yeah. and then check our emails and, you know, we're stuck in our emails and we go to the next meeting and the next meeting and the next meeting. How can we arrive with a sense of composure and, and take our seats uh, with intention? Mm -hmm. Prioritizing our day. Taking a pause between meetings to acknowledge that we are in this meeting. Yeah. 
It'll also not only help with our focus, it'll help with our sense of connection with our colleagues because they'll notice, wow, this person's actually present. Mm-hmm. Um, managing our digital devices, turning off notifications, having meetings without digital devices. Yes. They don't really need to be there. No. Um, perhaps there's, you know, a fire that needs to be put out. Okay, let everybody know that. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's there. So this is where you can be quite intentional with how you approach yourself as a leader. There's a myriad of additional practices and methods to deploy. But it starts with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then it's, I think, actually opening up a conversation with the team and uh, our departments and figuring out how do we want to work together? How do we want to be intentional so really engaging them in a conversation. Yeah, engaging them in an open conversation and even sharing our own vulnerability in this space. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I notice that I'm quite overwhelmed at times or I'm noticed I'm quite distracted. I'm, you know, just, I've got, I get, you know, the average amount of emails that uh, we get on a day-to-day basis um, across all industries mm-hmm. is right now roughly uh, anywhere from 150 to 200 emails a day uh, specifically in executive positions. Yeah. That has been growing exponentially mm-hmm. year over year. It's not slowing down. Um, you know, there's some simple tricks or, or tips into how to approach that. How do you get less emails? Mm-hmm. Well, you send less emails. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so how do you start taking stock of mm-hmm. what's working and what perhaps we could do differently? Mm-hmm. And that conversation can really empower the team um, to, to help start bringing that in. And, of course, sharing with them your own challenges, but also your own wins. What are you doing as a leader to help yourself? And then I always share, you know, you want to base it on research, too. I think we're in an age right now where there is a lot of incredible research supporting healthy habits Uh, Harvard Business Review provides a wealth of great information. So starting to maybe share some of these types of resources with the teams and saying, hey, you might want to consider mindfulness or you might want to consider this article on uh, the age of digital distraction, Mm -hmm. you know, by the National Post, et cetera. So these are some, you know, light ways to start building awareness and uh, you know, creating a conversation. And I like the idea you said of sharing research because like digital distraction, we always have our phones and I'm looking at mine is on the table right now. Um, but the idea that we have this information at our fingertips. So we feel like we are an enlightened society now with so many resources to get information. And so I think when we can share the resource that supports what we're trying to bring into our team, it lets them know, Hey, this isn't just a floof thing that I'm pulling out of my back pocket. Um, there is documentation behind it that proves this is something that could benefit us. And I think people buy in more to a situation like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think approaching things as a, a hypothesis and an experiment mm-hmm. that, that, that makes things very accessible and saying, Hey, listen, let's, let's experiment with this. Yeah. You know, based on this, great article this emerging research mm-hmm. you know maybe this is an interesting hypothesis we should test here yeah. right um, there's some incredible research coming out of europe where organizations that 
um, create curfews for emails. Mm -hmm. Literally no emails sent after like 6 p.m. Yeah. 4 p.m. Or they're fined. Yeah. You know, or they're even fined. Yeah. That that actually enhances productivity. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting hypothesis. Maybe we should test that out. Yes. <laughs> you know? I love that idea. I actually had someone in a speaking engagement yesterday where I was um, talking to a group about psychological health and safety. And I said that they were we were discussing workload. And I said, you know, be honest with your staff. Tell them there are going to be times where maybe they have to work a little bit later um, because the workload is very heavy, but that that shouldn't become the norm. And I actually had a man there who was from originally France and he put up his hand and he said, I disagree with you. We should not be telling staff that we should tell them after 5 p.m. You should not be working whatsoever. And he did share that in France. That's what they've enacted, like no emails after five. And if your organization is caught doing so, there is going to be a monetary fine that they have to pay. So it's a little bit disheartening that we have to go to that point where you're being legally held responsible and paying fines to do it. But like you said, I think it's so it's so helpful to our staff. And I think it encourages them to know, yes, while you're here, we want you to love your work and be passionate about your work and productive. But we also want you to be all those things about other passions outside of the workspace because i think that just makes us more of a whole individual if i think it feeds our soul more and this is what people are looking for mm -hmm. right specifically you have a you know there's a lot of discussion in organizations around millennial engagements yeah. uh, retention recruitment mm -hmm. <clears throat> and i have uh with my colleagues at mindful gateway we have uh our trainer team we have this interesting you know a funny little joke the beer tap will only get you so far <laughs> <laughs> until perhaps that uh engagement strategy isn't as effective as we may wish for it to be yeah. um so i think you know we've hit on a number of of things and um it is sad uh that we've come to a point around technology but i think i i i almost the way i like to frame it is that well actually when we look at the research of what technology actually does to the brain it engages uh regions of the brain that are the same regions that of the brain and the same um chemical release patterns as uh alcoholism as mm -hmm. uh drug addiction mm -hmm. and so these and, and gambling mm -hmm. and so technology uh is addictive and so you know just like in the past so daniel goleman who's the sort of the pioneer of emotional intelligence he he shared along actually in um actually just recently that uh in the past we used to have physical constraints to our work mm -hmm. we would come to work and then we would leave work <laughs> Because we had a desktop that couldn't come with us. No. Yeah. <laughs> and well, there's a time where there wasn't a yeah, desktop, my dear. Also right? true, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and so when we look at sort of the historical progression of work mm -hmm. and how we engage in these environments, it's actually very helpful to sort of see how has work evolved and what do we need to do to help ourselves now. And so we need to create digital boundaries, mm -hmm. just the way as we had physical boundaries before. Uh, to help the neurophysiology replenish itself. And, and that helps, you know, parents, mm -hmm. you know, when you're at the dinner table and you're supposed to be with your kids, but then you're being pinged about a project that's happening. Yeah. It helps with uh, self-care, 
um, mental health, you know, all these these aspects, and of course, connecting with passions and really being able to live a a, a, a full life, mm-hmm. um, bring some of these elements in can be can be quite helpful. And I think one other thing I would just add to it is if there's any you know leaders that are are um, looking at well, what are some trainings or what are some programs that can come in, workshops, mm-hmm. etc. Um, there's a lot coming out right now. There's, yeah. there's like a wealth of these um, providers and, and offerings that are at our disposal, incredible articles as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I think uh, it's really helpful to look at uh, where is this coming from? So what's the research that's supporting this? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're really starting to look at how sustainable are these initiatives, specifically in the workplace. Yeah. And so uh, bringing that type of perspective and approach can be, um, can be really helpful in looking at, you know, and asking those questions too, right? What's the research behind this type of program? What's the mm-hmm. efficacy? How does it sustain? How does it change behaviors or create habits? Um, and uh, creating a bit of that dialogue uh, with whatever's being brought in or whoever's being brought in, mm-hmm. I think can, can be really helpful in, in introducing some of these you know, methods and principles into the, into the workplace. Yeah, and I think engaging your team in what they would like to see coming forward too. Like we were talking about earlier, engaging your team in conversations about um, what they need in the workplace. But also, I think when it comes to training programs, engaging your team about what's available and asking them what do you think is going to help you most whether it's in this work environment whether it's in your job role Um, because I think so often we see teams going into training programs where they're like oh this like why am I in this program and you want to have that buy-in from them right so they're so committed to it walking into there and I think yeah engaging them in conversations even about things like training is really important too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bring that and also, uh, I think being aware of the what it takes to progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, McKinsey and Company had a had a great podcast actually on um, behavior change, and really when we look at strategic implementation of some of these types of um, programs mm-hmm. and initiatives within organizations, that we're really looking to sort of nudge behavior on here and to help foster a certain type of culture. And that takes time. Mm-hmm. And knowing that at first, maybe it's just about building an awareness around the fact that these approaches and methods, um, are available and this research is out there mm-hmm. and how, how interesting and then you can start looking, okay, well, then how do we start building an ecosystem to help support that and foster that? How do we do that here? And uncovering the internal champions that can help those mindful leaders, that can help those noble leaders, yeah. that can help uh, foster this. Because, you know, our attention is getting pulled from us constantly these days, even more so than ever before. So there's a tendency to forget. So having these champions, these these leaders present helps us to remember mm-hmm. and to stay on track. And so um, only then can we start fostering and cultivating these types of beneficial habits over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the idea of including an 
number of individuals who are passionate about that because I think sometimes when we pick one individual, it can feel like such a heavy load on them and that maybe when they're working, they want someone to bounce ideas off of. They want to have a conversation about what is this going to look like for our team. Um, And so I really do love that idea of when you're bringing in new ideas, new projects, new initiatives of not just making one person that noble leader, but creating that community like we had talked about previously is the importance of having that feeling of community within a a workspace. Michael, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. I feel like we have so many takeaways for our listeners. So the idea of setting intentions with your team, being conscious of digital, putting it away in meetings so people really know you're present, um, backing up ideas and initiatives that you want your team to buy into with research so that they know, okay, this is coming from a place um, and not just an academic place, but there's there's a reason we're going to be doing this, that it's not just some off the cuff idea, the latest and greatest thing that we're doing. And I know for me, my biggest takeaway is definitely around the digital. So to be more conscious of when I'm using my phone, trying not to check emails at 9, 10 p.m. for the next day, but to really put it away and be present in that time outside of work. So I think it's going to make me a better leader moving forward. So I really appreciate you sharing all that with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. This was an episode of Noble Leaders Having Noble Conversations.